Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Hey everybody, this is Coach's niece, Joyce Pantuso. Nice to meet you. Look at you. It's so good to see you. Oh, we couldn't be more thrilled to have you here. Who are you? You want to go where everybody knows your name. Hello and welcome back to Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. I'm Ryan Daly and joining me once again from the SNL Nerds podcast, Mr. John Trumbull. Welcome back, John. Hey, Ryan. Thanks for having me back. Always always fun to slide up into the bar again. <laughs> Every time I think you're out, I pull you back in. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> I see what you did. You know, actually, I, I realize, and for the listeners, if you're wondering why I even said something like that, it is a reference to The Godfather Part 3. Um, and this episode of Cheers that we're talking about is called The Godfather Part 3, even though this one came out three years before the movie, I think. Yeah, yeah. Godfather Part 3 came out in 1990. So yep. the fact that there eventually was a Godfather Part 3 not too long after this episode aired, it kind of kills the joke of the title. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Um, and also, now that I'm thinking about it, Sam Malone actually makes that same joke The every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in, in like, it might be in season 11. It's oh, when yeah. he's dueling with Henri about who can get as many phone numbers by oh, the end wow. of the night. Okay. Um, yeah, Henri keeps challenging him. I think at times he's like, Carla, get the babe kit. And she's like, oh, Sammy, no, he's just a kid. He didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> oh, I'm, I miss Henri. Henri was entertaining. They got, they got some good mileage out of him. Henri, yeah. Well, a very good and often forgotten uh, guest star. We'll, yeah. we'll be able to talk about him in a couple of seasons hence. But uh, for now, um, The Godfather Part 3 episode of Cheers written by Chris Cluis and Stu Kreisman, directed by James Burroughs, and the original air date was Thursday, March 19th, 1987. Like we said, three years before uh, the Francis Ford Coppola and uh, Al Pacino movie. With um, Sofia Coppola, wasn't that her first? Yeah, I think she was. It was. She was a last-minute substitute for Winona Ryder, who dropped out because she filmed a bunch of films like back-to-back, and she was exhausted. Yeah, I, you want more Godfather 3 trivia? Like George Hamilton came in <laughs> because they couldn't meet Robert Duvall's asking price. I did not know that. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of reasons that film turned out underwhelming. <laughs> the way it did. Yes. Um, anyway, for the, for the Cheers episode, Sam is visited by Coach's niece, Joyce Pantuso, who is going to start her freshman year of college in Boston. Sam's excitement turns to nervous apprehension, however, when Joyce gives him a letter from her father, Coach's kid brother, pleading with Sam to personally see to Joyce's welfare while she's in the city. At Diane's suggestion, Sam asks Woody to take Joyce out for the day to show her the big city, believing Woody to be the most honorable and innocent person they know. After seeing each other for a couple of days, though, Woody and Joyce announce their engagement. Sam is devastated and initially forbids them to marry, then tries to bribe them, and finally takes them to the office where he begs them on his knees to get to know each other before committing to marriage. Woody and Joyce agree to put off the engagement, but decide to move in together. This time, Sam enlists Diane's help in talking them out of it. 
When Joyce says she no longer plans to go to college, Diane begs her to reconsider on her knees, just like Sam, while describing a life of misery and despair without an education. The talk works, but the whole experience has shaken Sam and Diane's confidence in their ability to raise children. Their solution, never have sex again, which they agree to for about five seconds. All right, John, I have big thoughts on this episode, mostly about Woody's fashion in the Mm. second act. I have some fashion comments, too. Yes. (laughs) Okay. Um, Setting that aside just for the moment... Overall, what did you think of this episode? Eh, it's uh, it's not quite up to Cheers' usual standard, I would say. I, I would say at the best, it's like a fair to middling episode. It's never going to be one of the episodes of Cheers that people talk about. I don't. I would be greatly surprised if this was anyone's favorite episode of Cheers. Right, right. It's I, I think we we mentioned it before we started recording. It's it's a fairly forgettable episode. Um, yeah, which is rare for Cheers. Um, I don't think it's a bad show because I don't think Cheers did a bad show. And I'll, I'll repeat that ad nauseum all the time. Yeah. Um, but it's just, like you said, like when, when Cheers' highs are as high as they are, the standard is just naturally elevated above the common sitcom. And this one is a fine episode. Um, there, and there's some good juicy moments in here, uh, like there are in every episode. But yeah, yeah ultimately, and, and I, I think there's a little bit of a disappointment because we're bringing a, a character, unfortunately, who we had no connection to prior to this, but there's a coach connection and we love coach so much. Yeah. It would be great if this was a stronger emotional episode. Um, and it just isn't really. Yeah. I mean, that was one thing I was a little surprised by. Okay. So the character Joyce, she has this connection with coach and the idea of Coach's niece dating Woody, that's a cool, sweet idea because Woody has that connection with Coach too because they were pen pals. They traded pens. Um, But I don't think they did too much with the Joyce character. She doesn't have any real memorable traits. You know, like her being Coach's niece, you might expect her to be intellectually challenged the way that Coach was. (laughs) And that would give the actress something to play. But no, she just seems like of moderate intelligence. She just seems like, you know, sweet, nice girl from Oregon. And and that's about it, really. I don't know. Even even the plot doesn't seem very high stakes, you know? Right, right. Yeah, there isn't like a great like meat coop between them. And like, you kind of feel like, okay, they they would be a nice couple because right. of their, their shared kind of connection to coach and because they're similar ages. And, and you kind of think, oh yeah, Woody being coach's kind of surrogate son kind of replacement in the show and the niece it's like oh yeah that that seems kind of like a, a natural fit but maybe it's just they don't have chemistry but also like the, their scenes don't really invite them to do much um yeah and the actress uh who plays joyce uh she's played by katie mclean uh who i i kind of think of her first she played uh the daughter of alan swan in one of my favorite movies of all time my favorite year oh cool i didn't know that yeah, very brief, but at the end, yeah, she was uh, she played his daughter. Um, I, gosh, I don't even know if she had any dialogue now. I should remember that because doesn't I love the Alan Swan just sort of look at her from afar from a yeah. car? Yeah, 
like he's afraid to yeah anyway though um she also she appeared in saint elsewhere for a couple episodes now uh, sort of make that work in your whole continuity thing sure um but she ended up becoming a huge soap opera star like she's been in like all of my children as the world turns the young and the restless and days of our lives like she would be wow. like do like years long runs on these shows um that's amazing it's like yeah some actors make an entire career of soaps and they just kind of bounce from one soap to another and i mean yeah. god bless them because that's that's right. got to be a bear right just because like the way soap operas just crank through material but as you were saying the stakes in this one first they don't feel very high but they also feel very manufactured Mm-hmm. Um, and it all hinges on Sam's feeling that he needs to protect her because of the letter that he gets from Coach's younger brother, right. and and this feeling like he's he needs to honor Coach in this way by keeping this girl safe. Yeah. But the worst thing in the world that could happen is she moves in with Woody. Like that doesn't seem like the worst thing in the world could happen with as much as we love Woody. Yeah, true. I mean, because, yeah, Woody's a nice, honorable guy. So, yeah, it, it, it might it might have more stakes, as you say, if, like, she started dating, like, this guy who would be really bad for her. But, of course, that would require another guest actor and then it's right like, like if, if she met one of carla's kids like if she met anthony or the, or the like her next youngest son um yeah exactly. uh il duce what's uh what's what's the kid who ends up becoming named after benito mussolini uh i don't know i don't have gino, gino. Carla's gino. kids names at the ready i'm afraid it, it's gino gino okay. is her, her second son but yeah oh okay <laughs> so, the, the the one that uh carla told diane sam was the father of yes yes but wait yeah, we did back, that yeah. episode together i think we did yeah way back in yeah. season one yeah uh, but yeah so it's just like like i i think if woody's parents met joyce and joyce's parents met woody they would have no objection to this at all well it's and also kind of... it doesn't feel real high stakes because they're talked out of it so easily. Like, Sam yeah. talks to him for like 30 seconds and they're like, oh, okay, well, maybe we won't get married. Yeah. And, and his, then they his... decide they're going to move in together. And then Diane talks to them for 30 seconds and then they're like, oh, okay, we won't move in together. But we can still keep dating, right? right. <laughs> and, and and you can kind of understand Diane's reaction the way she does. Like, she thinks the idea that Joyce would forego a college education Diana's personally affronted by that. Right. Like she, 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 because of everything we know about Diane, is like she's like that's morally reprehensible to give up a college. And, and she even has like a, a, a line <laughs> of dialogue late in the show, like you're about to see what this many credits of psychology can do. Yeah, I love that line. Yeah. But Sam's panic, the situation doesn't rise to like the level of panic he actually gets it. But let's come back to that. Um, yeah. We will get to Woody's fashion in those last scenes. I mean, I um, I do like that this is that this story is giving Sam a different note to play. To see Sam in a protective paternal type of role, mm -hmm. that's a new thing for Sam to do, and that's that can be a tough thing to come by in a sitcom that's on its fifth season. So I think that's cool. Well, and I think what they try to do in the last two minutes of the episode is make this connection to, to Sam and Diane's thoughts about having a family. Like mm -hmm. they even have talked about like what they would name their kids and they're like to be that. But this comes so late in the episode. It's like, wait a minute, if this is supposed to be like a beta test for how they would raise kids, like 
that's not introduced until way too late. And that's something that you could explore and do something interesting with. True. But true. it's just it like the the way it's the balance of how that element is introduced. It just, yeah, that, that part kind of kind of fails. But Let me ask you this, because I didn't double check this before we started recording. The The names of the writers on this episode were not familiar to me. Did they write any other episodes of Cheers? Uh, no, this was the only Cheers episode they wrote. They actually, they, they did write one episode of the Tortellis in the same season. Oh, well, um, I mean, the pedigree um, for that show. I, wow. Yeah, then then they worked on other stuff. They worked on SCTV Network. They uh, they worked on Night Court um, as producers and writers for a little while. Okay. Um, but yeah, this was their only Cheers credit. There's something I noticed over the course of the episode, and I wonder if this popped out to you. It seemed like there, I noticed at least three instances in the episode where it seemed like they had new lines of dialogue dubbed in. Did you notice hmm, this? I didn't. Okay. Uh, early in the show, when Cliff is talking with Frazier about, like, Frazier wants to get uh, golf clubs for his yeah. uh, yep. his anniversary, uh, the anniversary of him meeting Lilith, and right. he's been hinting at getting golf clubs. And Cliff says to Fraser, he's like, oh, I didn't realize you were a golfer. And he says, I'll take you down to my private country club for a little mano a mano. And when Cliff is saying that line, it cuts to kind of a wider shot of the bar. And so you can't see Cliff's mouth as well. And I swear to God, it looks like he was dubbed. Hmm. Um, there's another bit when Woody and Joyce are leaving and Woody's going to take her on a tour of Boston sites. And she says, oh, I want to see old Ironsides. <sighs> And Woody says, well, I don't know if Raymond Burr lives in Boston. <laughs> um, he's saying that line is like he's on his way to the door. So I don't think his mouth is entirely clear on camera. And that sounded dubbed. Mm -hmm. And towards the end of the show, after Sam gets on his hands and knees and he gets up and he's like dusting himself off, it looks like Sam saying they bought it. Yeah, um, but he just like like there's just like a little ha ha thing. Like a, his mouth didn't really seem to be moving much at all, or it, yeah, it, or it was saying something else. Like it, I think with Woody and Cliff, they were both saying another line, and I think they dubbed in different lines. So I'm wondering if they punched up this episode a little bit after they recorded it and maybe got a tepid response to it. Maybe, maybe, yeah. um, and that could maybe go into like why these writers didn't return could be yeah yeah definitely so i wouldn't um well let's uh, I, kind of going through the episode um our teaser we start up diane is going to a uh shakespearean play we don't know exactly which one she right. has an extra ticket sam has no interest in going right carla is pissed yet again that diane gets to leave early because she's the boss's fiance and sam says hey carla can have the day off too is as long as she goes to the play with diane um diane thinks it's a nice idea that they'll get to bond but it turns out Diane doesn't really want to bond with Carla when she when Carla decides that when she says she'll bring the pork rinds and, and the beer, um, yeah. and they can and make they, spitballs out of their programs. Yeah, and as Carla is rushing up the stairs, Diane gets like you see it in her eyes this vision of dread of what might be lurking there. So she decides to give away her ticket to the next person she sees, who is Al walking by the door, and she's like, "Take this!" Uh, she's like, "Go off the stairs, take her to the to the uh, to the play or something." Yeah. And you just hear Al going, hey, Lenny, wait up. Something. I love Al. 
I, I love Al so much. It's always fun to see him pop up. I don't know if I've covered an episode where he pops up before, but. He has some good ones this season. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. so much fun seeing him. And he just, he he always killed uh, with, with whatever line they gave him to do. I mean, yeah. Was, yeah. I think he was originally just the man who said Sinatra. Yeah. <laughs> just, and then they, they still... uh, called him by his real name. And then uh, after he unfortunately passed, they, they more or less replaced him with Rhea Perlman's father. Phil, yeah, Phil, Phil yeah, who, and, who's in who's in these episodes? We've seen him by now for yeah. for a while now, but he's never had a line or anything. He's always yeah. just been a background guy. Yeah, so. and he he got dialogue after, of course, uh, Al Rosen uh, passed away, which eventually led to that great joke on the uh, uh, cheerful goodbyes episode of Frasier, where where Cliff calls Phil Al, and he says like, "I'm Phil. Al died 14 years ago. You dumb son of a bitch." <laughs> <laughs> there's there's an episode it's just a great little aside when lilith is down in the dumps and she comes in and she she says i feel like a loser do you make a drink for losers sam and sam goes hang on a second phil what are you drinking he's like a manhattan yeah. he's like a drink of manhattan <laughs> yeah yeah well, anyway um you alluded to the B plot for this episode. Frazier comes in. He's celebrating. It's been a year since he met Lilith. Yeah. He bought her this uh, what Louis Couture armoire. Yeah. Um, and what he says, he says, when you're trying to express your affection for a mate, Old Wood says it best. And Woody's like, what do I say? Yeah, yeah. He's like, no, I was referring to the armoire. He's like, I never say that. <laughs> By the way, I'm sure you've covered this in the previous episodes, uh, which I, of course, haven't heard yet. Um, how did Woody break his thumb, wrist, whatever? I know it was like a real life hand injury that Woody Harrelson. Yeah, the, the real life injury. Um, Woody Harrelson was doing a uh, a race car, like a pro am racing tournament sponsored by somebody uh-huh. um and just before the race during like one of the qualifying rounds his, his car crashed oh, wow. um and, and luckily the only uh, serious injury was he just he broke his arm um and then they wrote into the script of the next episode that he broke his thumb on the ice for like after the, telling this whole story about the pool table thing um oh, okay. but yeah but yeah he so it's i think it's I think it's like four full episodes where he's uh, he's got his arm in the cast, and the actually they might be a little bit out of sequence because I don't think he was in the cast in the previous one. Simon says, "Oh wow, okay." So that episode might have been done before or after the incident. I don't. I, I I'm, I'm going to have to do some research on this for my Cheers timeline, man. Yeah, that one I mean, might have been out of, the out of healing sequence. of Woody's uh, thumb. That <laughs> yeah. That's vital information because this this episode spans a week. So. Well, because he's wearing it in the beginning, but he's not wearing it at the end, is he? Like, doesn't the cast disappear? No, he's wearing it throughout the episode. Oh, I thought it disappeared halfway through. I don't think so. No, I could be okay. No. I All think right. he. I think he's being like real discreet about it. He's he's kind of cheating it away from the camera whenever he can. Mm-hmm. No, he he had it throughout, as far as I could tell. Okay. All right. Look, I'm um, I'm looking for for actors dubbing over lines. I don't have time to look at Woody Harrelson's <laughs> wrist for the entire God. episode. Anyway, like you said though, um Fraser is leaving all of these these set clues that he wants this set of golf clubs. Um uh Cliff has this line, he's like I didn't know you were a fellow linkster yeah. or something. Um and uh, uh, he says, yeah, he'll take him to his private country club. And Norma's like, yeah, the last time I was there, I got three holes in one and I birdied the windmill. 
Yeah. So that's that's cute. That's that's a good Cliff Norm joke. I mean, of course, right. they'd be miniature golf right. buddies. Um, and it it comes back. the The culmination of the plot is later on in the episode. Fraser comes in very down because he did not get the clubs he wanted. He got this kind of generic gray tie from mm-hmm. Lilith. Um, and he's like, "I it's ugly and I hate it." And he takes out a fruit knife and just starts stabbing it repeatedly on the bar. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it is <laughs> some very violent like uh, imagery from from Frazier and Kelsey Grammer. In here, yeah, so I, I like disturbing. that. Um, it, it, it's a him stabbing the tie is a funny visual, and I like Norm's uh, tag after that. It just was like good thing she didn't give him a puppy. But then mm-hmm. that's it. That's the end of the subplot. There doesn't. It doesn't really resolve, especially since Lilith isn't in this episode. They just talk about her. Yeah, he was hoping to get this gift, and then he doesn't. And and so that plot just kind of peters out. Yeah, yeah. It's a weird, yeah, it's a weird low stakes episode. Yeah, yeah. When Joyce does first come in, it's nice that like Sam recognizes her by her voice and everything. Yes. Um, and Diane appears so excited to see her. It's like it's great to have you in the bar. And Joyce's like, "Who are you?" <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I'm Di- Sam's fiance. I'm sure he's mentioned me before. It's like, no. <laughs> like, I'm yeah. Um, I mean, because like at first you, you're thinking, oh, well, obviously Diane has met her before off screen. Yeah. And then no, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> No, never seen it before, and, and she's never been told about Diane. So, and this is yet another um, instance of of something that um, uh, Ken Levine notes a lot on his blog is like visitors to Boston when they're seeing somebody from Cheers, they always go straight to Cheers. They don't go to a hotel or anything. They <laughs> they go straight to the bar with their suitcases. <laughs> it's it's one of my all-time favorite lines by Robin Colcord. It's amazing. Everyone else at the end of the day goes to their homes. You people come to this bar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And even I mean it, there's the 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 gravitational force of Cheers is, yep. is something else. I mean yep. people are just automatically drawn there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, By the way, so he, yeah, he starts college in the spring quarter. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. I guess I get it. I mean, if she, if she defer, I mean, like if she had to be talked into it, it didn't sound like it was a big deal. But and it's a big deal that it, like she's the first, according to Sam, the first Pantuso attending college because it's right. a big deal that a Pantuso could pronounce college. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, they I, mentioned... I'm sure it's just lip service to when the air date of this episode was. If it aired in oh, March, yeah, so of course. It's yeah. like they mentioned her family from Reedsport, Oregon, and mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember if that was established in one of the episodes where after Nikki Calasanto had died before mm-hmm. they acknowledged it, when they were just making up excuses for why coach wasn't on the show, there was a, there was one of those things in the teaser where Sam was explaining he was meeting his sister, I think. Mm-hmm. And they were like meeting at different airports to like travel or something like that. And I can't remember if that episode, so it might have mentioned that coach's family was from Oregon or something like that. I don't, I don't remember that specifically. I remember he like went to another state to renew his driver's license. And then he went to a family reunion, but it wasn't his family. He, gotten, <laughs> he was uncle Whitey. He was uncle Whitey. Cause it was an African American family, family who sent him an invite by mistake and he didn't want to disappoint anybody. <laughs> so um, he's been going for years. Yeah. They, yeah. They like him so much. Yeah. But yeah, they had to do at least three or four of those where they're writing around him being ill or having passed on. 
Right. Um, so, and and they're they're good solid coach gags, especially considering that the actor wasn't there to play coach. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a good moment here with the where Sam is talking to Joyce and the beer distributor calls and he tells Woody that he'll call him back. And Norm mm-hmm. was like, Hey, Hey Sam, where are your priorities? And Norm almost like snaps that like snaps his fingers at him. He looks like, you need genuinely to get on this. angry. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, George went like, he looks genuinely pissed off and which yeah. makes it all the funnier. Um, yeah. I mean, even when Sam goes to take the call, Norm is still not quite placated. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> He's still just like, how did you let that call go? Um, Something I noticed in my second watch is there's a guy in a pink sweater who goes over to hit on Joyce when Sam's on the phone. Mm. And if you go back to when Joyce is talking to Cliff, you can see that guy in the pink sweater like he's starting to eye her in the background, which I thought was a nice bit of business. Speaking of like the the script and possible like dubs, Mm -hmm. when, when Cliff is talking to her, yeah. He's mentioning how like jet lag can lead to not just like mess up your metabolism. It can lead to loss of hair follicles. Yeah. Joyce goes, are you a doctor? And Carla has this line. She walks by and says, it's either like, no, he's a floon or no, he's a flume or something like that. And like, I don't even remember it's a, that. It's a weird like line because it, like the word she said, I was like, that's a, like, is that, it's just like a container of water or something like that. But like, or you, either that or like she mispronounced it, but it, it was just a weird, like, I was like, oh. Oh, like whatever she called him was like too obscure to really be funny. And I was, and I was like trying to, yeah, it was, you it was know, weird. Like there's, there are a couple weird punchlines in this episode that really don't quite land. And that's so mm-hmm. unusual for a Cheers episode. There's a bit yeah. where uh, Carla makes a crack about Diane's hair Uh, Diane's talking about uh, Joyce moving in with her and she says like oh it'll be like a slumber party and Carla says like oh I'll cut Diane's hair after she falls asleep and Diane is like oh well we'll try and cut your hair but we don't have a laser and I'm just like "Eh." yeah yeah. that's not especially funny it's not it's not quite exaggerated enough to be really haha funny and not on the cheers level anyway right Getting back to to Norm and like considering how upset he was that Sam was like like downgrading the priorities of the, the beer distributor, he's remarkably calm later when they announce their engagement while Sam is pouring Norm a beer. Yeah, and Sam is so stunned that he just lets the beer overflow. He like doesn't turn off a tap and right. it just starts spilling down. And Norm is just very casual. He's like, "You okay?" He's like, "Yeah, why?" He's like, "You're filling your shoes with beer." Yeah. Um, and it's a nice little visual moment because then Sam, when he's giving it to him, he's like, is this enough for you? And yeah, yeah. I, th- I thought that was cute. I thought that yeah, was yeah. well played. Yeah. You know, one weird thing, the whole reason Woody goes out with Joyce in the first place is because Sam says, oh, I can't get away from the bar, but somehow Woody can leave. And then <laughs> in the teaser, we see Sam let Diane and Carla go. Uh, to, to go see the Shakespeare play, and it's apparently on the same day because they're wearing the same costumes. They, yeah, there's no explanation. <laughs> so I'm just like, wait, is Cheers busy today or not? I'm I'm very confused by this. <laughs> there's no. Th- this would have been the episode where they could use um, Corinne, the uh, the extra waitress that shows up twice in this season, but not huh. this one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's very weird that Sam lets both of his wait staff go. I mean, yeah. 
Okay, I accept Cheers being understaffed just as a basic TV convention because we can't have like a right. dozen characters on the show. And realistically, a, a, a bar the size of Cheers would employ at least half a dozen people. Yeah. If not more. But but because it's a TV show, like somehow they make do with just two bartenders and two waitresses. But, right, right. But yeah, when it's down to just like one person, you're just like, wait a minute. <laughs> Um, I, I like when um, when he takes the them aside and he, he has what he enjoys at the table and he's like, mm-hmm. "Why are you doing this to me?" And like, we thought you would be happy. And he's like, "Well, I am in a sad and disappointed way." Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Woody has a great line to deliver too. He's like, "You know, we I know we've only known each other a few days, but it feels like several." Yes, <laughs> yes. And then there's there's a few good moments here where like Sam is well okay now now I know what you're talking. Sam is talking to them and he starts mentioning that his his own first disastrous marriage, and there's a cutaway to Diane looking like she's a little bit upset. Yeah. And then Sam says that he he and Diane waited five years, and if it were up to him, they'd wait another five. And Diane like shut like closes the cash register very loudly and abruptly, and Sam like calls out to her as if she was like vocally objecting to something like she was actually saying a line and Mm. he like almost tells her like to be quiet he's trying to make a point yeah and that again feels like something like that they changed in the editing yeah maybe she had a line there that didn't quite work so they cut it out um i'd have to look at that again but um i do really like sam is like i forbid you to get married (laughs) And then they're like, "Well, you you can't do that. You're not my. You're not our father." Right. Like, Damn it! I'm going to forbid somebody to do something. And he says, "Norm, I forbid you to leave that stool." And Norm <laughs> at first is like, uh, "Sorry, Sam. Nature is calling." And he's like, uh, "I will. I will cut off your tap." And then Norm yes. comes back straight back to his stool. Uh, I really yeah, like that. He, that was, he's like, "What do you say, Pop?" And he sits down. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was a good bit of business. Um, then he tries to, he takes out his checkbook and Sam is going to bribe that he's going to pay them off to, yeah. to not get married. Um, and then, but again, like the, the escalation of how how desperate he's getting, this is just where it gets kind of silly on, on the mm-hmm. face of it. He takes them back to the office and he gets down on his knees and he's like begging them like you beg like a loan shark when you can't pay off a, a, a bet or something like that. He's just like, why are you doing this? This is going to hurt me. You don't want to cause me this kind of pain. And it's like, this does not make sense like emotionally and, and like logistically. Well, I mean, I, I like that. I like how exaggerated it gets at the end. I like that Sam is like literally on his knees begging them. I feel like the setup there needed to be a little more escalator to drive Sam to that length. Yeah. Um, because also just because Woody and Joyce are just so damn agreeable. <laughs> you know, it's like, please don't get married. Okay, we won't. Uh, right. Please don't move in together. Okay, we won't. <laughs> yeah, I, I just wish there was a little more there there with the with the Joyce and Woody of it all. Um, because right. you want to see more of what drives Sam to that. Like maybe he's extra protective of Joyce because she is really naive and and in the coach sort of way, and he's worried about that. Even even Woody is too worldly for her, or right. something. It just it just needs something more there. Um, mm-hmm. Even if like the letter from 
her her dad yeah which, which is great he basically says sam i know i can trust you because coach always loved you he's like please look out for my baby girl she's all alone in the city she's all i have and if anything happened to her i would go into the shed and blow my brains out phyllis says hi yeah. <laughs> and then woody just goes that is a nice letter <laughs> yeah what would he say that yeah but but if there was something in there specifically like about like how crucial it is that she gets an education that she'd be the first pantuso right to, to like graduate or something like maybe like that. he was going to learn something at college that would help them back at home like yeah know, yeah farm or whatever yeah and it's also like there's like no thing like the whole thing like she's she's giving up on college to move in with what it's like she can't do both like, like yeah I, like yeah okay so anyway um but then then yeah once once they come back and they're like okay we're not gonna get married but we are moving in together that's when sam goes to to diane and she, that's she's like you're gonna see 26 units of psychology fly into action right, right um and then she diane has this great little monologue when when she hears that joyce isn't gonna go to college and she goes you have your whole life ahead of you you can't throw it all away like this if you don't go to college you can't earn a living and without a job what will you do when he leaves you with a litter of kids and you have to sell them one after another just to put food on your pathetic little table and in the end you'll be left with nothing nothing but worn out hips and sagging breasts is that really what you want and and woody just comes and he's like well i can't speak for joyce but i could do without that yeah that that was Um, great that was great and, and again i maybe it's i mean it's it's a great line from woody it's it's close mm-hmm. to like the funniest line in the show well and it's but, also like woody harrelson just throws that line away beautifully he says it's yeah, so deadpan. yeah um <laughs> it's it's all the funnier because he just plays that with utter sincerity right but i think just like again like if if you were going to give a moment to your guest actress who's coming in mm-hmm. and ostensibly has been is like the whole catalyst for this episode like she has nothing to do in this last scene. She's like a right. spectator, more or less. In in both scenes, in almost all the scenes, she's just a spectator for what Sam and Diane are doing. Yeah. So, and 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 Cheers was almost always really generous with giving their guests some of the meatiest and funniest parts. So it's a shame that they didn't do it in this one. Yeah, it's uh, it's a weird thing. Like Cheers didn't really nail the love interest for Woody thing until. Uh, Kelly came along. Mm-hmm. I mean, and and Woody Harrelson had real uh, chemistry right. with uh, uh, what was the actress's name? Uh, Jackie. Something? Jackie Swanson. Jackie Swanson, yeah. uh, who who played Kelly, right. just brilliantly, and and she was obviously a good match for Woody because she was also kind of kind of dumb, kind of flighty, but <laughs> but also like in a in a very different way because her her sort of dumbness came from this like sense of privileged naivety right whereas i think when you you see like woody's woody's romances with with beth previously his his girlfriend from back home and now with joyce here they're just very sweet but also they're kind of in his world like in his realm like they're kind of in his league woody should never have stood a chance with somebody like Kelly in her background. Right. And that's why they were special together. Like right. that's why well, and also, you know, because you have that contrast. That's the whole thing that made Sam and Diane work was because they had right. hardly anything in common. I mean, really the only thing they had in common as a couple was they physically they pushed each other's buttons. You have that spice in there. And with Woody and Joyce and previously with Woody and Beth, 
yeah, it's just kind of like plunking out the same note on the piano. It's it's just not too interesting in and of itself. Yeah. All right, I've I've held my peace for as long as I could, but throughout the last half of this episode, Woody appears to be wearing a light pink and dark sort of pinstripe button-up short sleeve shirt. Right. And over top of that, a layer <laughs> over top of that, another bright pink but solid button-up shirt with the sleeves rolled up to his 1987, biceps. baby. That's what you're going to do. I mean, it's, it's, Woody it's and bright, Sam, it's, they, are, they are both rocking the double shirts. In they the are. She, she's this the, the same thing, except it's in pink. Or blue, sorry. It's like yeah. baby blue. Yeah. It's a blue shirt under a yellow, uh, like, I think a collarless shirt. And he's yeah. his, the blue collar is sticking out. And I'm just like, wow, this is just so 1987. He's got a pink button-up short sleeve shirt over top of another pink button-up over like shirt it's like yep. what the <laughs> that was that was a i mean i'm sure it made sense at the time and i was around in like 1987 i would have been uh, like 14 when this episode aired uh and yeah somehow that was a thing in the, in the 80s you would wear like a polo shirt underneath like a button-down shirt and and stick the, the the collar of the polo shirt up over the the, the button down shirt, and that was just a thing that we did, and nobody really questioned it. It was, it doesn't look weird when everybody's doing it. It looks weird from like thirty years distance. But. I I am now looking at the Woody Boyd Mego doll that came oh, out wow. a couple of years ago on my shelf, and I am really disappointed. It's not that look. It's sure. not the pink. I'm pink. Sure. You want that look to be commemorated and and preserved in history for all time. Absolutely. Actually, my bigger gripe with the Mego dolls is um, they made Norm wearing a uh, a gray suit, but matching a gray jacket and pants. And oh, Norm well, that's almost just wrong. Yeah, what, what the his, hell? His pants what the never match the jacket. That, would... Okay, I haven't even seen that, and that pisses me off. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it really bothers me. He should be wearing black pants or dark brown. Or come on, that's like not putting white socks on Cliff. Yeah. <laughs> So, by the way, is Sam wearing socks in the last scene? It looked like he wasn't. Uh, I, I didn't look that closely. Yeah. <laughs> I think my, my, I, I didn't, I didn't pause it or anything, but I was like, is he not wearing socks? He might not be wearing socks. And it seems like the right era for him to be like rocking the loafers with no socks. Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah. Like, they're, they're, problems with this episode and it's it's yeah. not the most memorable because of some of these these deficits but it, it was still funny really like it's still... just kind of bland yeah you know? yeah um it, ultimately it'll be forgettable it'll be low on the ranking of the season's episodes possibly the lowest i don't know maybe um but it's but it's what, still... what else is down there so far um oh i think oh the low uh this will be tough money dearest the one with cliff and his mom and the and trying to get the okay yeah i vaguely remember that one i think that episode was better than this one just because that introduced esther clavin and, and just she saved it cliff's mom was, was like the was the best part of that episode and she was better than anything in this one yeah okay. so. all right that's fair so sorry you got the dud for this one but uh, the next time you appear on the show i promise i'll give you a better episode so. you, you damn well better <laughs> mister Right. What operation are you running here? 
Well, we we will get to the actual home runs of this episode and what the the lines that did crack us up. But before that, um, Norm's tab he had four beers this one, uh, so that takes him up to four hundred and seventy three for the series. Damn, go Norm! Yeah, <laughs> I mean um, it's amazing that Norm hasn't keeled over yet by this point. <laughs> uh, you know, and I don't know if it's there's something that I just I've been noticing it more in some of the recent episodes, the beers that they're pouring are now like 75% foam. I noticed that when Carla, she was like pouring two beers and yeah, there was so much head on those beers. And I was like, if that was a real bar, I would send that beer back. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's a TV show. So obviously they don't (laughs) care about that. They care that Rhea Perlman's saying the right line and saying it in a funny way. So, right. so yeah. I'm sure beer continuity goes out the window. But. Norm would have his line. It's like, you don't expect me to pay for this, right? And it's like, no. It's like, but then he would keep it. Just to make yeah, yeah. And then like when, when Sam gives Norm that really full beer, there's no head on that, of course, because it's, it's it was overflowing. Of course. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it all evens out. Yeah. Employee of the week, I gave it to Woody. I thought he just he his he had some of the lines that saved the scenes in this mm-hmm. one. So yeah. Um I'll tell you, I'm I'm really, really tempted to give it to John Cleese because John Cleese was just so damn good in the last episode, Simon says. <laughs> I feel like he should he should get employee of the week for this week as well. <laughs> it's a carryover. Yeah. He's he's so good. I I looked at when uh <laughs> Ryan, when you invited me to to do this episode. Uh, when I looked at the list of other episodes, I saw this was right after Simon Says, and I was like, oh, God damn it. Because <laughs> that's one of my favorites. Um, but that doesn't that didn't seem to be quite playing fair. So I'm going to give it to Sam. I think I think uh, uh, Ted Danson was just really, really funny in this episode. And he had a lot of uh, funny moments. I, I like I like in particular at the end when he walks into the office after Diane's talked to him out of moving in together. And he like deduces that she was on her knees and, and she's like, oh, how'd you know that? And he's like, oh, well, you have a run in your stockings there. <laughs> and I I like that there's still a little bit of the street smart Sam in in season five of Cheers. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I like I like my Sam Malone to have a little bit of the street smarts. So yeah. and he, and that and his IQ dre- decreased more and more over the years, I think, especially during the Rebecca years. Just because yeah, yeah. stupidity is a, do- a bottomless well. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I thought he was really good. And like, like the moment you mentioned before with, uh, well, I'm, I'm happy in a sad and disappointed way. I mean, he just <laughs> like dancing is just firing on all cylinders by this point. So for the home run, um, originally I was going to have this one as my runner up, but I think I'm actually going to bump it up. Uh Um, There's the whole recurring bit when Joyce first walks in, when like people are saying something and Carla keeps doing these drive-bys. Yeah. And she keeps coming up with these lines and saying something. And and again, some of them are funny and some are like, okay, you just kind of like expect that to Carla. And um, then when Cliff is talking to her, and Cliff is telling her about like how jet lag causes you to lose your hair follicles. Carla comes by and does this other one where again, I think she says, no, he's a, he's not a doctor. He's a floon. And I was like, what the heck was that even about? Mm-hmm. But it, it goes by really quickly because then Joyce asks Cliff, she's like, who is that? Because she keeps on doing these lines and Cliff's line is nobody knows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was cute. 
I just thought that one kind of surprised me. I was like, wow. I was like one of the few times when Co- when Cliff kind of gets a zinger at Carla, even though it wasn't directly towards her, but yeah, I liked yeah. that one. Um, yeah, I had kind of a tough time picking a home run for this episode because I didn't feel like there are too, too many standout lines. Yeah. I think uh, what I have to go with is a line you quoted before is the the nothing but worn out hips and sagging breasts. <laughs> and Woody saying, well, I can't speak for Joyce, but I could do without that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was good. He plays it so sincerely just because there isn't any irony in Woody. Um, it, it just made it all the funnier. I, yeah. So that for me was the home run. Yeah, that one or, or the other one that I had besides those two is um, when Norm is going to the bathroom and Sam is just like, you leave that stool and you're cut off. And Norm's like, yeah. whatever you say, Pop, <laughs> he goes yeah, back yeah. to the stool. That was cute. That was cute too. Well, all right, John. Well, uh, thank you for, uh, I mean, we got we got almost an hour out of this one. So, you know, we, well, there's there certainly go. something. We can um, ramp like nobody's business. <laughs> where else can people hear from you if they want to uh, hear more from you in the podcastosphere? Uh, well, you can check me out on my regular podcast, which is uh, the SNL Nerds, which I co-host with my buddy Darren Patterson. We're two uh, comedians from New Jersey. We go through uh, all the new episodes starting at live. And during the off season and off weeks, we watch movies with SNL alumni. So we have a lot of fun doing that. And it's just kind of close to what we do here. Awesome. Very awesome. All. And uh, yeah, you'll you'll be back next season with a, a better episode than this one, I promise. So. Yay! I'm getting that in writing. <laughs> Thanks to all of you who listen to Cheerscast and support the show by liking and sharing on social media and leaving comments on the website, fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can also support the Fire and Water Podcast Network on Patreon. Special thanks to Ashford from the Right On Podcast Network and Rick from Jeff and Rick Presents, who sponsor this show. Go to patreon.com slash fwpodcast to support your favorite show on the Fire and Water Network. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And until next time, we're closed. All right. All right. Woody, I forbid you to marry Joyce. Sam, you're only my boss. Damn it. I'm going to forbid somebody something, I'll tell you. Norm, I, I forbid you to leave that stool. Sorry, Sam. Uh, nature calling. Hey, hey, you. Oh, oh. You go and you're cut off. Whatever you say, Pop. <laughs>